Blog Talk Radio. This is Kale Brown. Now, I didn't play a doctor on TV, but I will prescribe Brandon's Buzz for absolutely anybody who wants to know what's really going on. Hey, guys, this is Brett Claywell from One Life to Live, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. This is Taylor Dane, and you are listening to the one and only Brandon Buzz. Hi, this is Lynn Herring on Brandon's Buzz. It's the great entertainment talk show on now. Brandon, I love you. Thanks for having me. This is Linda Dano. I'm on Brandon's Buzz, and I have to tell you, what a fun hour I just had. Ah. This is a great kid with a wonderful heart and soul. You listen every day. I know I will. Hey, hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you are checking out Brandon's Buzz right now. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Martin from the band Mr. Big. I'm live and kicking on Brandon's Buzz. Hi, this is Dave Romero, and you're going to love buzzing with Brandon's Buzz. Welcome back to Brandon's Buzz. I am Brandon. I have a fantastic lady on the phone, and we have a lot to talk about. We're just going to dive right in here. You know, my guest tonight is a bona fide Jill of all trades. She's a Grammy-nominated music superstar. She's a best-selling author. She's an actress. She's a motivational speaker. She broke through to the big time first in the early 80s with a hugely successful string of Christian albums, and then again in the early 90s with a couple of highly acclaimed pop efforts. And she's just released her latest album, a fabulous collection of classic covers, from the likes of The Beatles, Jim Croce, Al Green, even Stevie Wonder, entitled Heart Songs. And she's come by the buzz tonight to tell us all about it. You know, I can't even tell you how thrilled I am to welcome to my show tonight the gorgeous, the glorious Kathy Tricoli. Wow. I want, can you introduce me every time, like every weekend when I sing? You could just be my MC. I certainly can. Just give me the mic. <laughs> hey, I heard Taylor Dane. That brought back memories. Talking about your show. You know, I had no idea until I was reading up on you in preparation of this that you actually sang background on a couple of her songs. Yeah, that's actually how I, uh, I, I, my Everything Changes popped it in the early 90s, was produced by Rick Wake, who pretty much, you know, um, gave Taylor her sound there in the early 90s with the Tell Me Where It Hurts and all those tunes, and I sang backup on those first two records. That's why, actually, when Everything Changes was out, people thought it was Taylor. Absolutely. Because it was, it was a song Diane Warren had written for, and I, I don't know what whatever the inner workings of the music biz is, but supposedly it was passed on, and so I sang it, and it absolutely had that Taylor, you know, sound. No question about it. Well, I tell you what, we'll, we'll get there eventually, but let's let's kind of set the table here. Give me the 60-second bio on Kathy Tricoli. Where were you born? Where were you raised? Where did you go to school? Let's get that stuff out of the way. Born in Brooklyn. Raised in Long Island. Okay. Went to East Islip High School in Suffolk County, Long Island. And, um, Where's the accent? Then, uh, I've been in Nashville a little bit. My my family actually thinks I sound a little Southern. It's so funny because down here they'll call me a Yankee. So I live in Nashville now. I'm getting to the – I said I'm, I might could the other day, and it, that kind of shocked me. <laughs> I might could do that. I was like, wow. It's affecting me. No, I used to – my family, I go back now, and they're like, Kathleen. How's Nashville? Yep. You making money? You making money down there? <laughs> it's really funny. It's really funny. But anyway, um, yeah, I went, actually went to Berkeley Jazz School for a year in Boston and okay. fell in love with Boston. Didn't complete college because at that time um, 
uh, in between semesters, Dan Harrell and Mike Blanton, who manage Amy Grant and Michael Libby Smith, found me and moved me to Nashville. Did you always kind of know that music was it for you? You know, Brendan, I heard, um, it's funny because, you know, James Taylor and Carol King are on that Troubadour tour. Absolutely, yes. I saw him, I'm in Nashville, but I saw him at the Verizon Center in D.C., and I was sitting there going, you know, it's just this flashback of me singing to Carol King's Tapestry record. And isn't it funny, they, they've been around for 40 years now, and they're the biggest thing going this summer. Isn't it funny? Oh, my gosh. Because there's that audience out there that, you, you know, you sometimes it's forgotten about, but it's huge. In pop these days, we've gotten away from real music, and they are, you know, they're one of the last real artists. I mean, they, they really defined artistry for a time in their in their heyday. Well, I'm sure that the younger people wouldn't understand what you're saying, but I agree in that it was an era based on songwriters and melodies. I mean, when you when you when you were here in the arena sing, you know, um, up on the roof with James Taylor or Natural Woman with Carol King, you know, it's all based around that beautiful melody. But I'm sitting there in the Verizon Center going, you know, I remember singing my heart out in my bedroom to that record. And my dad, he died when I was 15, but he heard me singing in my room and he knocked on the door and he said, you know, that is so good. Can you sing that again to Daddy? And, like, he, he actually discovered my voice for me singing to a Carol King record. And um, I haven't stopped singing since. That was, like, wow. seventh, eighth grade. I, you know, when people say, did you have any aspirations to do anything else, not really. Not when your first review is that good. <laughs> well, you know, I say for a little while I was like the, the the big fish in the small pond because, you know, you sing for your family and your friends, and to use your word, they think it's glorious, you know. But then uh, it was really stretching and humbling for me to move to Nashville in the early 80s. And really, you know, you, you have a person like Amy Grant who's been a big figure in the pop market, sure. and you, you, you're trying to find who you are because at that time I wasn't writing as much as I write now. So they were actually trying to find a a little help me find a little bit of a sound. That's why now it's so wonderful to do a record like Heart Songs and feel like I'm I'm getting to do a, a genre of music I've wanted to do for a long time. So what, what was your big break? What was the thing that really kind of set you on your path? In contemporary gospel music, it was um, Dan and Mike carrying up demo of me and pretty much moving me to Nashville, and I sang back up for Amy Grant for a while. At that time, Christian music wasn't nowhere near as... Uh, how could I say, you know, it was no, no more, nowhere near as multifaceted as it is now. There were just a few of us. And I would sing for people in Nashville, and they'd go, her voice is kind of, it doesn't sound like a church singer, so mm-hmm. to speak. So, you know, I was singing for everybody, and I couldn't get a record deal. And Dan and Mike just said, you know what, we've been thinking about starting a label, and we'll just start a label around your first record. So it was a record called Stubborn Love. And much to my surprise and theirs, it sold 100,000 units in six months, which was huge at that time for gospel music. And that's how Reunion Records was born, you know, now Michael W. Smith and Casting Crowns and a whole bunch of people. But that was my um, my big break in gospel music. And in pop music, it was having the opportunity to meet Rick Wake, who at that time was, you know, just producing Taylor Dean, he had done some um, stuff with Celine Dion. And he was the guy. Especially, yeah, he was just innovative, innovative. He had a new sound, just the sweetest, kindest guy. And at that point, now, you know, this is in the early 90s, I was writing a little more and sat down with him at his house on the North Shore of Long Island. And um, I had been in gospel music a little while, but he, 
you know, he presented me with the um, Everything Changes tune and said that, you know, at that time the, the, there was a little bit of that crossover where you could do both genres like Amy was doing. So that's Absolutely. what I did. And I had a number one hit with that dance tune in 92. Uh, it was a, a glorious ride for me. And I'm sure you hear this from a lot of artists. You, you just continue to grow Brandon and you, you explore and you go, well, I don't know if that's exactly what I want to do. And I mean, Everything Changes was a great dance song, but I'm a torch singer at heart. <laughs> and, um, and you know, here I am doing these clubs and, you know, I'm going, oh, this is wonderful, but, you know, I wish I could sit down like Anora Jones or Diana sure. Krall and, and just sing my heart out there. So... You're in this business, and there's a lot of people that will tell you, no, you should do this, or you should try this, or you should try this, and sometimes it takes a long time to get to where you really want to do. You mentioned Amy Grant. She was probably the first one, at least in the in the so-called modern age. To, she was re- the first really big star from from contemporary Christian from that world to cross over to the pop scene and make a real dent. And, you know, after that, it was it was Katie Bar the Door for a while. It was you and DC Talk and Jars of Clay. You know, when, right. when something works, the moneymakers and the, and the gatekeepers get a whiff of it, and they decide they want 10 more just like it. That was a time, I think Amy really, like you said, spearheaded that, that whole journey. And it's unfortunate that she had to go through so much because, I mean, think back. At, I Sometimes I'll still hear Baby Baby from time to time, you know, and you, you're going, that's the most poppy, innocent, delightful song. And Absolutely. yet she went through a lot about it. So we've come a long way, baby. <laughs> And a great, you know, just a great song. I mean, that was one of those songs that sounded absolutely fantastic on the radio. Especially at that time. It was that pop melody. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know the Christian music scene that well, but for instance, when, when uh, country stars decide they want to cross over to pop, the Nashville establishment gets, tends to get extremely stingy about it. You know, the, the program directors at country radio, a lot of them, they still haven't forgiven people like Leanne Rimes and Shania Twain and Leanne Womack for for so openly and boldly mm-hmm. chasing pop success. Did you ever get any kind of pushback from the Christian community for any of your pop success? Well, yeah, because people think, um, and especially because I, I had left a little while, I left Christian music in 87 um, to kind of find myself a little bit. You know, I found my faith, and before I knew it, I was, two years, I was a national artist. And so I was caught up in this whirlwind, and I moved back from Nashville to New York, and I was gone a little while, and then here I come out with this pop hit, and it was like, oh, okay, she's given up her Christian roots. Absolutely. And it was, no, 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 no. I just, this is the argument I always use, Brandon. It's it's like I I have beautiful art in my house, but it's not all of the crucifix. It's, <laughs> you know, it's life, and it's beauty, and sure. it's all representing what God created. So, it's that element that, you know, I did get some where people are questioning, oh, that's where she was gone a long time and she's given up her whole, and, you, you know, you, you, you have to just, I think it's consistency as people see you and hear you on interviews and hear your music, and it's like, oh, okay. But even with this new heart songs, I mean, it's not even in the gift market yet, but it's on iTunes and Amazon, and I've gotten some people who are going, well, none of this stuff is Christian music, and you're going, well, no, it's not. It's love songs, and it's you know it's these beautiful. It's what I what I my brand of what I wanted to say with these tunes. So I've got a little, but nowhere near as like years ago. I think people are I've expanded their horizons, and you know it was just a couple of weeks ago I saw the Carol King James Taylor thing, and I looked across that audience, and you see these people just tapping their toes and swaying their heads, and 
raising their hands, and it's just so wonderful to go, you know, especially with the kind of tunes I did on this new record. You just go, there's such a huge audience out there, but you use the term gatekeepers. Sometimes it's the gatekeepers who will dictate what people are going to hear, and then you have a model like American Idol where you'll go, no, there's love songs and pop tunes and artists that will never if you walk them into a record company, might not get a deal. You know, what's her name? Susan Boyle. That's like off the charts. Sure. But, you know, talent is talent. And people are moved by beautiful songs and talent. And and so that's why, I mean, when I got this little deal with Green Hill with this record, I loved it because at this point, being in the music business for 28 years, people would go, oh, you'd never, you know, you, you can't get a record deal. And I did. You know what's funny about about kind of along the same lines of what you're saying is that the internet and and believe me I think that the internet has done as many bad things as it has good things for your business but one of the great things that it's done to my eye is that it's opened things up to such a wild degree that uh, pretty much anybody can sneak back in and get a shot I mean you know you, you talk about the guys forming a record company in the in the early 80s just for you now everybody has a record company but back then that was probably a pretty radical move for for them to think, well, we're just going to make our own record company for this for this artist. Say, one of the great things the internet has done is it's opened things back up to such a wild degree that the there there are still gatekeepers to be sure, but they don't wield the same kind of power they may have a decade ago, two decades ago. Because people can now decide for themselves, and they have more access to hear. You bet. Um, which not just down you know down the skinny tube of the closed-mindedness of what might be a certain age group, you know, and I don't blame them. If you have program directors and and music directors that might be in their, you know, early 20s, they might not be interested in the same music. Well, they won't be as that audience of 25,000 people at the Verizon Center. But that doesn't mean it's it's not out there. So I'm thankful for shows like yours and it is. It's a different day. And, uh, you know, I'm doing a show in Nashville at this little theater, Belcourt Theater, and the record company is going to film it because, you know, it's, it's like, let's film this. Let's get this out there where before you wouldn't have access to do that. Absolutely. You know, I'm going to tell you right now, you'll never convince me that If I'm Not In Love isn't one of the 50 best songs of all time. And your vocal on that song is an absolute miracle. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. That's a beautiful, beautiful tune. You know, that was my second self-titled record after the Everything Changes time. It's a bittersweet thing because I I absolutely love that song. And they picked it as the first single, which at that time you needed kind of an, I know you understand this about radio, you needed kind of an uptune before you put out a ballad. And I felt like it wasn't the right time for it when I heard they were choosing it. And so um, it had a little airplay on radio, but then Faith Hill got to record it. It's really absolutely gorgeous. You don't have, uh, at least to my ear, you may disagree, but you don't have, to me, a classically big voice the way Mariah Carey did at her Zenith or Whitney Houston. You have a very rich, very soulful, very lived-in voice, and you just crawled inside the lyric of that song, and you made us all believe it. I mean, it was, it was you know, I've heard other people sing that song. Faith Hill, you mentioned. Jody Watley did a, uh, did a version uh, 12, 13 years ago, but yeah, none of it holds a candle to yours, none of it. You know, Brendan, thank you so much. I, I actually, um, I didn't have that on the list of songs I was going to do at this summer serenade event I'm doing in August in Nashville, but I, now you've convinced me to put it in my set. But, you know, it's like you've got to understand, too, like I, I'm not, I can sing the big ballad. I can sing those songs that have the sweeping orchestration, and I have, and I've had hits with them, but 
my love is to sing in that range. Uh, last summer, I went to see Nora Jones, and then I saw Diana Krull, and even Bonnie Raitt's got that rock pop thing when she sits down and sings those velvety ballads like I Can't Make You Love Me. It just makes my heart melt. That's the major part of my voice that years ago, even when I started in Christian music, it was like, let's get her up there in that range. You know, let's, let's get her in that pop range. And, you know, even everything changes. You hear that song and you're, everything changes. You know, and it's, it's different than the voice of, if I'm not in love with you. And I often say now, even when I was doing this Heart Songs record, you know, try to get Nora Jones to, and I'm not trying to compare myself with our music as an example, you know, try to get her to sing, you know, Christine Aguilera, I'm not saying her name right, help me. Aguilera. Uh, exactly. <laughs> you know, she, you know, could she do it? I don't even know if she could do it, but even if she did it, it wouldn't be the true her. Sure. And that's what I, I felt like I fought for a while, because I can sing that stuff, but... Man, put me in that velvety range, and I'm sailing I'm free. So you I bet appreciate you. you saying that. So talk to me about your latest project, Heart Songs. You know, this is an utterly dynamite album of covers from uh, of some of your favorite pop songs of the past three decades. And you, you indicate in the liner notes that it was always a kind of a dream of yours to to put your own stamp on some of these songs. How did this How did this come together? How did this come to you? Well, um, through a friend of mine, Mark Lowry, who's a comedian, he knows the president of Green Hill, which is with EMI here in Nashville. And they're a gift market label. I mean, they're, you know, you could find them in Hallmark and, you know, where you see the kiosks of songs and you know, maybe D.G. Adair plays Frank Sinatra or Dennis Soley, a great sax player, plays, you know, some some Tony Bennett standards or that kind of label. And so he introduced me to the president who had been a fan of that Everything Changes Time and some of my gospel stuff. And I just sang for him in that Come on Love range, you know, to just go back to what we were talking about in his office. He said, man, I, I just think you're made for this stuff. So we were going to do a jazz, just a jazz standards record of, you know, someone to watch over me and all those great songs. You know, my, I was leaned on Sarah Vaughn and Judy Garland and all that stuff. But he also saw my schedule and he saw that I was out there and I was speaking and singing at big women's conferences. And he said, man, I think, you know, because of what you do, what you're still doing, if you just did your own brand of some of these classic pop hits, it would be beautiful. And I was like, wow, that's right up my alley because you look at my iPod and I have the best of Roberta Flack and Carly Simon and James Taylor. And so we took time to go through about, uh, I brought him about 50 songs, 70 songs, and we narrowed it down to 12. We have this record called Heart Songs and we may do one called Soul Songs where we do more of an some of the take on some of those R&B tunes. So it's really fun because, you know, I've been on iTunes for a long time with my gospel stuff, but I've been going on the jazz page and I'm I'm on the top 200. And it's like, wow, I'm right next to, you know, Diana Krall on this day. and (laughs) I'm right next to Miles Davis on this day. So it's, it's really, really fun. I'm like a little kid. And, you know, I've been doing this for 28 years, and, like, my family's flying in for this Belcourt Theater Date in Nashville like it's like my high school concert. It's really funny. Tell me about some of the songs that didn't make the cut from your from your list of 70 or whatever whatever the number was. Tell me tell me, tell me me what didn't make the, the final list. Well, we were going to do Whenever I See Your Smiling Face, James Taylor, but we ended up using Up on the Roof, okay. um, which is such a gorgeous melody. Absolutely. Um, 
we mentioned Barry Manilow, and I, um, oh, I wish I could remember the tune. It's just a gorgeous melody. But, you know, when you're attempting to do some of this, Brandon, it's got to be pretty cool, because if you do it too close to the record, it's like, why wouldn't you just listen to the original? And then if you don't do it cool enough, it could sound karaoke-ish. Absolutely. So, you know, I would sing through some of these beautiful tunes that I love, but they sounded like you should just go see me in Vegas at some little club. It wasn't cool. We were looking at, will you still love me tomorrow? You know, Carol King did it, and it was done in the 60s, too. And the one that surprised me that really worked was a dance with me from Orleans. Mm-hmm. And when we were first talking about it, I was like, how can we do this tune with a, with a cool flavor here? And it's just really, really wonderful. It, there's no harmonies on it. It's slower. It's it's just beautiful. So I was glad to be able to make some of those tunes that you could never imagine in that style work. We're all music fans. We all have those songs. You know, I hear Brenda Russell sing Piano in the Dark. I hear George Michael sing One More Try. I hear you sing If I'm Not in Love. And I just think I literally don't want to hear another human being sing these words ever again. Uh, were there songs that were absolutely off limits for you? I mean, did you have any tunes that, that you'd never dream of touching? Yeah, you know, even when I was attempting to do um, Never Can Say Goodbye, I was going, hello, he just passed away. And I'm like trying to sing this artist that was just amazing. When I sat down with the producer, if I sang it and it became my own and it wasn't, it didn't feel like I was trying to find its place or I was trying too hard, then I wasn't afraid to do it. But the ones that I would try to do like like a Barry Manilow where you're going, this is not working because this is just his and I, I'm sounding like a you know, his grandmother singing it. It's just not not good, you know. You know, and then I did Overjoyed Stevie Wonder and to do yeah. a Stevie Wonder tune you're going, Okay, hold on. Let's try yeah. to do this and, and it's really cool. We did it with like a little bit of a Brazilian flair. Did cool. you ever have a moment in the creation of this thing where you went, Holy mackerel, what was I thinking picking an Elton John song, a Beatles song, a Stevie Wonder song? I mean, did you ever have one of those moments? I had the hardest time with your song. Your song is so classic. And then I watched that I wouldn't do too many Elton John, um, Elton John-isms. Mm-hmm. You know, this feeling inside. You know, he does all that. It's like, yep. no, you know, I got to I gotta watch that. But, I, you know, I also was swayed by my love for the tunes. So it's like, when I get out there and sing them, I want to love them. So that was the only one that I went, did somebody shoot me when I start singing this song on stage, you know? But I thought, you know, I have uncles that could shoot them, so I'll, <laughs> I'll take my chances. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, I was, I, was, I was six years old when uh, a song called It Might Be You by Stephen Bishop came out, and it was the first song that I ever loved. And I would literally, when I was a child, I would sit by the radio for hours waiting for them to play it again. And... You do that song on, the, on this album, and your version of it is absolutely spectacular, which you know, certainly proves that a great song is a great song is a great song, period. But you know, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you, I had that catch in my throat before I played it, that thing of, oh, please don't screw this up, oh, please. You know, did, did you ever get nervous with some of these covers, thinking, you know, I mean, some of these songs people have loved for the entirety of their lives. Right, and again, like I said, you have to do them a little bit close enough so it's so... Again, looking at that audience that was at Carol King and James Taylor, which is my, my audience, if you do it so avant-garde, they just want to listen to the original. So you've got to have, you know, you said it might be you. I always, I mean, it, that song would make my heart melt. But again, you, you know, if, 
your listeners or even you could see how I ch- the music was so changed underneath. And I think even hearing a female sing it. Absolutely. Um, it brings something completely different like, to it. Exactly. That song, uh, they joke, I'm still single, and, and I'm contently single, so I'm not complaining, but the guys in the studio, I was like, when I was going to sing it, I go, I always wanted this to be my wedding song. And they said, well, you don't have the husband, but you got the song. Go in there and sing. You know? So. That is a great, you know, that, that song still pops up on my iPod from time to time, uh, the original. And, uh, you know, every time I just sit there transfixed. I think it's a fantastic song. Well, you know, Brendan, I even doing this, even doing this CD, when I'm with my friends or having some parties or get-togethers, I have this KT favorite iPod list, and it was—it's a lot of these tunes, you know, that we're mm-hmm. talking about. And I saw every time, like we'd be in the middle of a conversation, and someone would go, "Oh man, love that tune," or somebody else would stop and go, "Oh, I remember," oh, you know, and I thought. It convinced me even more to try to just uh, do my own take on them. And, and honestly, i got to tell you, not to compare myself with this woman because she's one of my heroes, but Eva Cassidy. Oh, you bet. Is, what a shame that this girl passed on. But I'm telling you, she is haunting, and she sings like an angel. And you talk about, you know, doing some covers on on, on tunes that uh, you could never imagine being done. Damn right. You know, it's so funny you mentioned her. As, as, as great as Sting's version of Fields of Gold is, and it's, it's unquestionably a classic, she owns that song. That, that song is hers. Oh, and Somewhere of the Rainbow. Oh. Believe me, anybody trying to do Judy Garland's take on it, I go, please, please. <laughs> and the first time I heard it, it was transcendent. It was just made me go to other places. And so if I could, if I could even do a couple on the record that have that kind of... Uh, penetration into somebody's soul to make them feel that deeply, you know, I'll take it. That's my goal. So do you have a favorite track on Heart Songs? Do you have a favorite song that you loved doing in the studio or that you love doing live? You know what I love? Feeling Groovy. You know, we did it in halftime, and um, I brought them that tune, actually. The producer and the record company, they were just kind of going, feeling groovy. <laughs> it's like a little carnival kind of a song. <laughs> I just sang it. I host a cruise every year, and um, I sang it in the theater with my piano player, and, you know, it just was so fun to do because it's so whimsical. That's a favorite, but I I haven't actually, uh, uh, because the record's just just coming out, I haven't really performed the tunes. I will, my my debut is going to be this this August at the Belcourt Theater in Nashville, and people can go to concerteventslive.com to get tickets. (laughs) And they could go on i they could go on my website, but they could also go on iTunes and just download the Heart Song CD. You know, mentioning uh, Taylor Dane earlier, I learned something else about you that I never knew before in in researching you and kind of reading up on you in preparation of this conversation. You were almost a Vita instead of Madonna. Is that true? You know, um, it, it, a bigger deal was made out of that than I. You know, I, I have gone on Wikipedia and I've read things about myself and. All of it's true. It just seems like a little exaggerated. I did try out for that. But I tried out with, uh, I'm sure, thousands of women. I got a second call back in New York City. Gotcha. So I think that's what got the buzz about it. It was exciting. I mean, I slicked my hair back and I sang, you know, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. Sure. And I certainly looked the part. You can't take the Mediterranean Italian out of me. So it was kind of fun. But... Um, 
you know, believe me, if I had an opportunity to do something like that or even a, you know, a little Broadway run, I, w- I would love to do that. But there's only so many days in the month. <laughs> I've, been, I've been traveling for 28 years. Wow. You know, this is this is kind of horrible to say, but I think I would maim somebody to hear you sing eight bars of, of You Must Love Me or, or Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. <laughs> well, you should come to Nashville and you've got to hear me <laughs> for that concert. <laughs> you know, talking about Amy Grant earlier, she still gets to cross back and forth between genres of music, and, and you do as well. And I can imagine that that doing that feeds different sections of your soul. Is that fair? Yes, because, you know, and let me say this. I feel like it's almost biblical to be all things to all people. In other words, years ago when I was on Jay Leno when Everything Changes was out, I had a, lot, a number of people going, I can't believe you didn't talk about God with Jay, you know, on the show. And if Jay would have asked me a question about my faith or if we went to dinner later and I ended up playing on Caesars with him four nights in a row, he asked me for, to open for him, one of the nicest men in the business, by the way. I would have totally, I'm very open about pretty much everything in my life, especially my faith. But, you know, I think, like at the Belcourt Theater, when people are coming to hear some jazz tunes and some of these classic pop tunes with my my take on them, I'm not going to kind of throw in songs that people might want to hear on a Sunday morning when they're ready to worship and they're ready to um, come hear a message that's going to lift their soul. That doesn't mean I'm going to be two different people because I, I'm going to sing a couple of songs I'll do, I do at the churches, but you do um, serve the audience you're in front of. Does it thrill you when you see people like Switchfoot and, and Natalie Grant and this new kid Dave Barnes not only crossing over to the pop world but you know doing it seemingly on their terms and without ever without ever compromising the integrity of their music? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited for all these young artists. And, and, and that was sort of back then, that was, honestly, when we were talking about the early 90s, I approached the record company and I said, can I do a Christian record and can I do a, a pop record? And the answer was no at the time. But when you mentioned Switchfoot, for example, it's such a great, I'm so glad you used them. Switchfoot's going to do what they're going to do in a bar as they're going to do in a church. You know, Casting Crowns is going to do, well, Mercy Me, they had, I can only imagine, they're going to do what they're going to do at a, at, a, at a theater in mainstream like they're going to do in the church. For me, especially since I love some of the jazz tunes, you know, I'm not going to sing at a, a women's conference with inspirational speakers and, and, and singers. I'm, I'm not going to sit down and sing, you know, um, some of the jazz standards, I might throw one in, but that's not what they came there for. And so for me, it's been a little bit tougher. It, it would be like taking uh, Diana Krall and going, okay, Diana wants to do a Christian record. She would be singing two different, she'd have to make two different records. You bet, you bet. So what, what is your take on, on uh, uh, what do you make of somebody like Lady Gaga? I mean, are, are people going to be talking about her with the same reverence in 40 years that you've been talking about Carol King in this, in this very interview? You know, it's hard for me to say because I'm not in the thick of, you know, Carol King, James Taylor were my heroes growing up. So for me to comment on what, you know, a 20-year-old would feel about Lady Gaga in years is, is hard to say. You must say about women like Lady Gaga that they're, 
business people and their marketers and um, they know what they're doing. What I wanted to say about Lady Gaga, though, with all the with all the um, shock value and and with all the the things that come up about her in the media, you know, she sits at a piano and she sings and she's brilliant. As a matter of fact, I like her when she's just acoustic. You have some of these singers out there that are tuned on their records. They're tuned live, uh, computer-wise. Uh-huh. You know, they're they're just recording artists. Lady Gaga is a true talent. Now, that doesn't mean that I like the way she represents herself and how she puts herself out there, but you cannot deny her talent. So what's your take on pop music right now? What's your take on, on what it takes to, to make it big, a la Lady Gaga? I mean, what's, uh, how do you feel about what's that? I mean, you know, in this age where a 15-second video clip on YouTube can make anybody famous, if, if Kathy Tricoli were getting her start right now today, would, would you make it? You know, I think I, I think I might have had a little bit more of a chance because in my 20s you had more of like the Tiffany's out there. You had that dance. What I'm saying is right now you can have a Jamie Cullum and you can have a Michael Bublé and you could have a Nora Jones and people love it. At that time, it was a little bit more of you, you were labeled, well, she's a lounge singer. There wasn't a vision for it because, again, of what gate, gatekeepers were looking for. Now, in the last 28 years of my career, maybe at different seasons in the business, I could have done it. But, you know, I, at the time, I wasn't what they were looking for. And so in the music business, there's there's so many different seasons, as you know, of, of um, artists coming and going and stops coming and going. But I think until someone gets through the door and it happens, it allows others to do the same thing. I mean, Michael Buble, being a young guy doing that whole style, makes it really cool so it helps other people do it. But I, I want to say this, Brendan. I do, I miss some of the romance in music. I miss some of the romance in the arts in the sense of it seems like I'd much rather hear a central lyric than an outwardly sexual lyric. And I think there's beauty to the subtle more than that outward stroke of sexual. And I miss that in music. I think there are people doing it. I just don't want this generation to, in 20, 30 years, lose some of that warmth and the, and the real, um, some of the, uh, I, I guess, romance and passion in the music. That's It's like a beautifully dressed woman in a, in a, in a cocktail dress and a, and going to, you know, a dance or a party, and then a woman showing up, you know, in, in some risque kind of outfit. It's, it's, it creates two different feelings. I'm sure there's some men out there that are going, I wouldn't mind that risque outfit. <laughs> but, but you get what I'm saying. Sure. It's two different types of class and feeling, and it evokes two different things. And that's what I, I, think, uh, I think sometimes we're missing that in music. I miss it. And yet it's out there. I mean, you mentioned Michael Bublé, you mentioned Jamie Cullum. There, I mean, look at somebody like, like Josh Groban. You can't name ten people who have sold more records in the past decade than Josh Groban. And it's, you know, yeah. on, on paper that would never work. Exactly. And that's why, like I said, yeah, he's a good example. Then you get people in the industry going, they're trying to find another Josh Groban. <laughs> or, they're, you know, they're trying to find it. It's, um, and you watch, you could watch these biography channels and you could watch Hollywood legends and you could read about George Lucas getting turned down and turned down and turned uh-huh. down and then he does Star Wars and then 
it becomes the biggest thing and people want to follow him. It's it's kind of the nature of the beast. So who do you listen to right now? Whose music reaches out and grabs you? I love Jamie Cullum. I'll listen to Nora Jones. I'll listen to Bonnie Rayet. I'll listen to Buble. I do like uh, Kobe Kelly, and I like some of the, the newer artists, uh, Jason Mraz, and, and some of, you know, I previous radio, Brandon, and I, I listen to the Coffee House station. Mm-hmm. It's really cool because it introduces me to some of those indie artists, and I, I love um, the pared down. I love the guitar, raw guitar and piano and all that stuff. So I try to educate myself, but in, in a genre that I would love. I don't listen to much pop radio. But you know, I love I love all that that stuff with that rawness and some of that jazz undertones to it. Sure, with a real flavor. That's that's what I'm hearing yeah. from you. It's got to be real. Yeah. yeah, I'm not I'm not a big um, midied out computerized record. I, I you know, the less instruments sometimes for me are the better. So what's on the horizon for Kathy Tricoli? I know you've got this show in, in Nashville coming up. Are, are you gonna Are you gonna stage yeah. a, a full tour behind this record, or are you just gonna play it by ear? What's What we're gonna try to do is we're we're gonna try to you know I'm 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 booked a lot of dates where I do a lot of conferences. People can go on KathyTricoli dot com to see my schedule. But what we're planning to do is just do um, small runs of little theaters where I can do this this kind of heart songs music. So that that's pretty much my goal um, for. This this year is pretty booked, but um, we're gonna because the the record's so new, we're gonna make a, a goal for the early part of next year to do that. Excellent. Well, I tell you what, I hope if you come to Austin, you'll you'll look me up because I will be there on the front row clapping and singing along. Thank you, Brandon. I'll make a I'll make a goal to do that. Come to Austin, find a little theater there, and I'll sing if I'm not in love for you. <laughs> I tell you what, I I am the biggest fan of yours, and I appreciate you so much taking some time out of your schedule to to come by here and subject yourself to my madness for uh, half an hour or so. I, I really appreciate it. I can't tell you how much. Thanks, friend. God bless you. Before I let you go, could I get you to do a promo for my show? Sure, sure. As long as it includes the words Brandon's Buzz and Kathy Tricoli, anything else you say is completely up to you. This is Kathy Tricoli, and I have loved being on Brandon's Buzz. He's the best. Fantastic. Thank you so, 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 so much. Okay, Brandon, Anytime. Thank you so much. Thank you. Please come back. Okay. Bye-bye. The phenomenal Kathy Tricoli, everybody, on Brandon's Buzz. Brandon's Buzz in the can. If you're listening, you already know, but in case you don't, three places online to find me. blogtalkradio.com slash Brandon's Buzz is pretty much home base for the show from there. You can listen to the show. You can download previous episodes of the show. You can leave comments. You can send me an email. You can... Uh, it's pretty much it, it is home base for Brandon's Buzz. Again, it's blogtalkradio.com slash Brandon's Buzz. You can also find me at my blog, brandonsbuzz.com. There, at the top of any page, is a blue button marked radio. You click that button, that takes you to a page which has every episode of my show listed. This is episode number 65. This one and all previous 64 are available in the radio archive at Brandon's Buzz. You can also find me on iTunes. I'm on iTunes right next to Kathy Tricoli. Just type in uh, uh, Brandon's Buzz in the iTunes Music Store search box. Scroll down to the podcast section. Click on my logo. From there, you can you can either uh, uh, download individual old episodes of the show as podcasts for playback on the device of your choosing, or you can subscribe to the show and have new episodes automatically download to your library the minute they're uploaded to the music store. So I'm all over the internet. There's I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm on iTunes, I'm everywhere. Google the words Brandon's Buzz, and something will pop up that points you in my direction, I promise. 
and I appreciate you guys find, find, coming in my direction. I appreciate you guys finding me and listening to me, and I hope you continue finding and listening to Brandon's Buzz. Hi, everybody out there. This is Eileen Kristen, and I have just been on Brandon's Buzz. This is a great show and a very sophisticated mind, so spread the word, Brandon's Buzz. This is Claire Massey from Tammy Show, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Great guy. Great show. Check it hey out. Hey, guys. This is Brett Claywell from One Life to Live, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Hi. This is Lynn Herring on Brandon's Buzz. It's the great entertainment talk show on now. Brandon, I love you. Thanks for having me. So if you feel that you just can't take it, and your world isn't what it seems, don't forget that life can be what you make it. Better when you live on a street of dreams. Hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you're with Brandon's Buzz, the place to be. Hi, everybody. This is Nicholas Walker. Merci à vous tous. Écoutez Brandon Buzz sur Blog Talk Radio. Bonsoir et à très bientôt.